This podcast was brought to you by Speak Spokane, a community-driven podcasting studio space where people from all walks of life can speak and be heard. Follow along with us on Instagram at Speak Spokane and visit speakpodcasting.com to learn more about starting your podcasting journey today. Today's episode is sponsored by Burn Butter. Burn Butter is an all-natural, low-carb, keto-friendly product created to help you consume healthy fats when you need them the most. You can add it to your coffee, you can add it to your food, you can add it to your smoothies. You can even consume it straight out of the pouch. My favorite way to use it is to add my mocha burn butter to my coffee. You give it a nice blend and you're ready to go. It's a new way to add healthy fats in your diet without making any huge adjustments. You can find Burn Butter at burnbutter.com or you can visit them on Instagram at burnbutters. Is your business not doing as well as you hope it could right now? Maybe you're struggling to reach the right people. Need some help with your marketing effort, a fresh set of eyes, or even a quick rebrand? Whatever it is, Maker Made can help. They're a marketing and creative firm working right here in Spokane. Maker and Made focuses on lifting brands to their full potential and specializes in brand identity, websites, social media management, and more. Get in touch now and schedule your free 30-minute consultation session by visiting their website, www.makerandmade.com. What is up, Lilac City, and welcome to Speak Spokane. Today on the podcast, I am joined with Justin Owens of Owens Farms. We sit down, talk about the farm that his grandfather, Gary Owens, bought in 1969, and actually his family homesteaded the land that they currently live on since the 1800s. And we talk about talk about his passion for spreading the word of Piedmontese cattle. You'll learn all about his cattle and what he's doing to help tell the story of, of these amazing cows. I just got to say, I went and joined Justin on a tour of his farm this last weekend and his facilities are amazing. His cows are spectacular. They're so beautiful and they're so friendly and nice. I got to get really up close and personal with them and you can just see the passion and how much he loves what he's doing at his farm and why it's why it's so important to him and his family. So please, please, please go visit his website to learn more about his Piedmontese cattle and follow him on his Instagram at Modern Farmer USA. Uh, he posts the the sweetest pictures of him and his his cattle and uh, you should definitely go check him out. But I will not keep you any longer. Here is Justin Owens of Owens Farms, Piedmontese. <laughs> I won't lie to you, Justin. I, uh, I, I was like, okay, I got two interviews today. I have a coaching couple coming in to, to do an interview, and then I have guy from a farm and then I'm like and not only do I have a guy from, I have a guy named Justin Owens who I 
a, a, a name that sounds familiar, and turns out that we have like mutual friends and that we've worked together, and uh, <laughs> and so I now that I'm now that I know I'm super excited, and, and uh, this is awesome. So, uh, but oh, before yeah. we get into Owens Farms, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, are you from Spokane? And yeah, yeah, I am. Born and raised uh, just south, outside the city limits. Mm. Uh, I went to Freeman, mm. went to Ferris, went to Spokane Falls, went to Eastern, graduated from there. Nice. Um, yeah. You went to Ferris? I did. What year did you graduate? 05. Okay. My wife went to Ferris. She w- she graduated in 02. So you would probably have been... Overlapped. You would have yeah. overlapped a little bit, but she would have been a senior and you would have been a, probably a freshman, I guess. Huh? Uh, but Awesome. Uh, so you've lived here just your whole life, huh? That's yep. Where, what hospital were you born in? Uh, Deaconess, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I almost <laughs> said Sacred Heart, but I, I know better. <laughs> um, tell us about Owens Farms and its history and how it got started. Like this, yeah. you don't have to be too. I mean, like that's a, that's probably a long story, but uh, yeah. from what I read online. But uh, but you just give us the the, the brief history. Brief yeah. history. Uh, I mean. My grandparents bought the farm in the 60s. Mm-hmm. They had horses and a horse breeding operation. Mm. And uh, when they got out of that, they got into cattle and they got into Piedmontese. Mm-hmm. It was kind of strange how they got into it because mm-hmm. um, they actually had Simital cattle immediately after the horses. Okay. And some guy kept calling the house. And at that point, my grandpa still had other businesses, and mm-hmm. this was probably the late, oh, mid-80s, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, and this guy's talking to my grandma, because she's the only one home, and she told Gary, my grandpa, that uh, I'm tired of this guy calling, talk to him, figure it out, mm-hmm. sort it out, no more calls. <laughs> and so he talked to him, he listens to the spiel, and he called the USDA, uh, Meat Animal Research Center mm. in Nebraska, and he's like, "Have you ever heard of this breed of cattle? Mm. Is it w- what's the deal with them?" And they were like, "Yeah, we've got them here. It's pretty amazing. It, we're researching them right now." And so the conversation was enough to convince my grandpa to start AIing uh, Piedmontese to his cattle. Mm. He loved the calves, and he did it for a few years. And he finally pulled the trigger and went up to Canada because that's where Piedmontese predominantly were in the 80s. Mm. Um, and he bought full-blood cows, so 100% mm. Piedmontese cows, and brought them back down here. And he just kind of built it up from there. Yeah. Uh, the history of the breed kind of ties into why it, you had to go to Canada at that mm. time. Um, up until the late seventies, Italy had a complete embargo on the breed. So you could not get a live animal out. You couldn't get, uh, fertilized embryos out at best. You could export straws of semen. Mm. Um, but that really didn't help get 100% genetics Mm. out of Italy. Um, so, so what, before yeah, we get into yeah, it, what, what is, so, no, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> what is a, I mean, so what type of cattle ranching are you doing mm-hmm. up there? Like for, is it, is it for meat? It's part of the meat supply chain. Okay. So we're, we're a teeny tiny 
almost non uh, <laughs> acknowledged like sector of the industry. Mm. So we're called seed stock producers. Okay. Essentially, we try to produce better uh, performing animals, better structured animals mm. that help produce beef more efficiently mm. in greater quantities. Um, so with Piedmontese, that's kind of the allure. Okay. Uh, the breed naturally produces above commercial cattle mm. about 20, 25% more retail product yield. So mm. for the same inputs, water, grass, grain, mm -hmm. you end up with 25, 20, 25% more retail product. Mm. Yeah. But this is like a, but it sounds like Piedmontese mm -hmm. is like a very sought after type of beef. Is that, is that, is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is and it isn't. Okay. It's just not well known. Mm. Uh, the people that know about it love it. Mm. Uh, there's just so few Piedmontese in North America that most people have never heard of it at mm. all. Um, it's so like I, I'm, I'm so like when you hear like mm -hmm. types of beef like Hereford and like is that is, is like that's just like a type of beef and that's similar to what Piedmontese is. Yeah, so Hereford is a breed. Uh, Angus, Angus is okay. predominantly what's mm -hmm. in North America. And like Kobe, Kobe. Like so Kobe is a specific beef that was raised, finished in Japan in okay. a specific. Uh, region of Japan, the Kobe region, mm. hence the name. It's like it's, champagne. Exactly. It's okay. exactly the same. So the breed of cattle that Kobe comes from is called Wagyu. Mm, okay. So there's there's people that bring in Wagyu cattle. They bring them to Angus. Mm. You know, so they call it American Wagyu. Uh, and that's like, and you see that like on menus like Wagyu beef and stuff like that. Gotcha. Yeah. So and so Piedmontese. So is that. Is that an area in Italy then? It's the Piedmont region. Okay. Oh, so of course. In Italy, it's actually Piemontese. Mm. Um, they don't have a D in the name. <laughs> I think the D came in somewhere when it arrived in Canada or the U.S. and they kind of adjusted the name. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so I think it means foot of the mountain. Mm. And so where this breed developed was at the foot of the Alps. And they evolved grazing at 8,000 feet oh, wow. elevation and then down in the lowlands. So you had this summer tropic heat. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of created the breed was 20, 25,000 years ago, this mass migration of cattle from the Pakistan region mm. went west, hit the Alps, and couldn't migrate any further. So they ended up crossbreeding with the native Iraq bison. And over thousands of years, five Italian white breeds developed out of that mm. cross. Yeah. Piedmontese just happened to be one of them. And they happened to carry a lot of unique traits from those two uh, cattle groups. Mm -hmm. um, so they have sweat glands. So they're heat tolerant. Oh. They're hair is medulated so it's hollow so oh. it's insulating uh in the winter like a down jacket and it's like air conditioning in the uh. summer 
Um, Interesting. Yeah, a very unique breed. They uh, the main allure to mm. to the customers, to the consumers. Like, why why raise this mm-hmm. interesting animal? Is the beef? Yeah, it's extremely lean. Mm, that's what I was gonna ask. Yeah, extremely lean. Carries the endorsement of the American Heart Association, mm. but it is also extremely tender. It's mm. in fact the most tender beef cattle breed. Mm. So you can cook it well done, cut it with a spoon. Wow. I've seen videos of restaurants doing promotional videos where they cut it with a dinner plate. It's that tender. Wow. So that's what I was going <laughs> to ask you. Is like, well, these, you said, I mean, I'm looking at your website and I'm seeing mm-hmm. like a bunch of like uh, show cattle uh, and they're just specimens. They're humongous. What's the best cut, cut of meat from this? Is it all just good? <laughs> it, it's all great. And what's what's really cool is cuts of meat that are normally a little tough and mm. less desirable are actually extremely tender. Mm. So you get a higher quality content from the overall carcass. Gotcha. Yeah. Your grandfather started uh, Owens Farms, and so this is you said this is in the eighties. He mm-hmm. brought in the cattle, and so how's it well, changed over the years? So they. They they did a lot of work in the 90s, uh, around 2000. In fact, in 2000, he formed the North American Piedmontese Cattle Association mm. for the U.S. and Canada. Um, but then in 2001, he had like nerve pain, and he thought he was in a lot of trouble. Mm. Uh, so he sold out of his cattle herd. He started selling land, trying to downsize in case the worst happened, and it didn't thankfully. Mm. Uh, but he did keep all of his nitrogen tanks with frozen embryos. Ah. So he held on to them. And around 2013, uh, a little ways after I graduated college. Mm-hmm. <sighs> no, it's... It, it was sort of a little rivalry. Mm. He was... I mean, truly a pioneer with his selection, with his breeding program. And around that time, it might have been 2012, he had some friends visit that were still involved with the breed. Mm. And they were talking about the performance of their bulls versus the old bulls. And uh, they both were pretty firm that they thought their animals performed better. Gary thought his animals performed better. Mm. And so we thought, all right, well, let's put some of these old embryos in, compare it to genetics that are 20 years older and improved. And, um, we, the first bull we sent back ended up on the performance test Mm. being ranked 24th out of 300 bulls. Oh, wow. We were pretty tickled. So, (laughs) (laughs) So I, 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 at that point I had kind of been taking care of a few of their little beef cows and they Mm. were raising them for meat for themselves Mm -hmm. and a neighbor. And I was like, what if we really get into this? Mm. What if we start putting more embryos in? What if we buy some more cows? Mm. Um, cause essentially at that point we're using surrogate cows Mm. and transferring embryos in. Uh, Um, so, so you're taking, so you're basically taking these already, embryos and you're through it's almost like IVF you're like like yeah so there's just regular cows that are just like they're not are they Piedmont no they're just commercial cows we're very selective about 
the size of the cows, structure of the cows. Like mm. we were very specific mm. about which ones could do that work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the embryos were collected. Some of them as far back as the early eighties. Oh, wow. And most of them in the nineties, uh, along the way we picked up some more embryos that were older. Mm-hmm. And I think the oldest embryos we've successfully transferred that have been frozen were 34 years old. Oh, wow. I mean, some of the, some of the oldest embryos of any species successfully transferred, and they're out walking around in our fields. That's awesome. So <laughs> so what you're doing out at Owens Farms is you're, are you selling the, the cattle to for breeding? Exactly. Okay. So all of the bulls, their first development and duty is for stud duty. Mm. All of the heifers that are born, they're meant to be brood cows. Mm. So that's kind of the tract we keep them on unless they just don't have good disposition, mm. good structure. If there's something that makes us want to pull them out of the system, like production yeah. side of it then we'll feed those out for beef. Okay. Yeah. So every year we have a limited supply, like maybe two to five. Mm. Like really nothing on the grand scale of beef. So at Owens Farms, you're not Mm -hmm. producing and you're not doing any type of selling of the beef or anything like that. It's just all very much you're just selling them to other farms. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, And and so you started doing this in... 2013 is that what you said yep yeah and uh and and so how small did it start and how big is it now tiny we had three recipient cows Mm. surrogate cows um at one point i think we had at least 160 mother cows Mm. and that was kind of recipient cows and uh piedmontese heifers that had grown up to start producing but Mm. those first few years it was just three then we had 10 and 20 and then 40 and then it just kind of exploded Uh and now we're at the point where this year we implanted seven embryos Mm. and we ai'd 75 full bloods wow so we're we're transitioning all of those surrogate cows out Wow. So how many cows do you have on your ranch currently? I think it's around 120 mother cows. And then we've got like 30 to 40 heifers that are in development. Mm. Um, and then I think we have maybe 50 calves running around mm. and oh, fun. 22, 23 bulls that mm. are a year to 18 months. So we, when the when the bulls get up at a certain age, do, you, do they send them to other farms? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You so. Can you not have many bulls together? Is that like a thing? It's all circumstantial. You know, yeah. if you if you were to haul in bulls from all over the place and introduce them in one pen, you're gonna have a riot. <laughs> but but these bulls, they've all they were all born in the same group. They've mm. all grown up together. They're like puppy dogs. Oh. They all lay around. They'll <laughs> let you walk over and scratch them. They're just a pleasure. <laughs> mm. uh, 
So one of the things I want to talk about is what what makes your your ranch. I mean, you're, I'm saying mm-hmm. ranch. It's farms. Uh, <laughs> it's well. So we we do have land that we have farmed. Oh, okay. We we raised our own grass, alfalfa, hay. Mm. As we've grown, we've had to buy hay from neighbors and people up north. Mm. Um, and actually, this was our first year where we kind of turned our whole farm into grazing mm. instead of cutting, baling, and. Okay. All that, uh, we we grazed darn near from April to the end of August, which was huge for us. Mm-hmm. And we we grazed our land, and then we kind of grazed neighbors, and we worked our way up towards the. We were on the border of the conservation district's land mm. at the Rocks of Sharon. Oh, so okay. we were putting up temporary fence, and we're on one side. We're on the neighbor's pasture and on the other side it's just thick timber as far mm. as you can see and yeah. it was some of the most beautiful terrain oh, that yeah. Yeah. it's just hidden you know so yeah where does your farm where's your farm located and so you butt up right next to the rocks of sharon we're we used to oh okay. the old farm did now we're maybe a oh, half a mile okay our farm from the conservation land mm. uh but we're out on the palouse highway south of the south hill and mm. uh yeah just below tower mountain and the rocks of sharon that's it's awesome beautiful spot you look north and it's the mountain and you look south and it's just the rolling mm. loose hills how did you get into this did you, i mean i know you're you were raised on it probably like on the farm did you see yourself as a, a cattle farmer or never rancher when you were when, in 2005 <laughs> never ever i I'm allergic to alfalfa. <laughs> I loved growing up around cattle and the horse farm, but I also spent a lot of time at my fam- my grandparents' other businesses. Mm. Um, in fact, across the street from here, they had an Orange Julius in oh, the parkade. Okay. And so I would go with him to all these other things. He ran Playfair for a while, so we spent a lot of time at the track. Mm. Um I never, ever thought I would get into farming and ranching. I love the cattle aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Sitting in a tractor for hours and hours at, you know, 11 o'clock till 7 in the morning isn't my idea <laughs> of fun. <laughs> but it's a great way to uh, consume podcasts. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, no, when I got out of college, I, well, I went for economics mm. and business management unrelated to agriculture Mm. um and it was either find something here or move to seattle or move Mm -hmm. elsewhere and i had been taking care of these three cows and it just kind of happened yeah yeah very unexpected that's awesome i mean so when so this was your idea to to start doing Mm -hmm. like you just said you told your grandfather I, I wanted to start doing this, and was it did it start as more of a hobby? Very much. We we were using the neighbors' corrals, which were built in the seventies. We were using equipment from the fifties, <laughs> and I mean it was a hodgepodge. Yeah, going from three cows to ten cows, around twenty cows. It really the paradigm kind of shifted in terms of how the facilities were able to handle 
that amount of animals. Mm -hmm. And it was like, we really needed to start planning then for the quantity of animals we were shooting for. Mm -hmm. And it was like, we originally thought, oh, well, let's, let's shoot for 40 cows. That'll Mm -hmm. be a really good size herd to start with. And then it was 60 cows and now it's 80 cows. Mm -hmm. And I mean, one day it could be a hundred, but I think 80 where we're at is perfect Mm because now we're producing enough heifers that I can help other people get started with Mm. Piedmontese. The biggest problem with the breed is there's just so few animals in North America. Mm. Uh, To give you a number to compare, Angus have 60 million head in the United States alone. Piedmontese has, let's say, 8,000 head in the U.S. and Canada combined. Oh, wow. Uh, Even in Italy, there's maybe 300,000 Piedmontese. Mm. So it's just such tiny numbers. That's why producing a quantity of beef that gets people's attention is difficult. You're just not on people's radars. But if you look in the bigger cities, Mm -hmm. higher-end restaurants, Mm. that's where... Piedmontese has found a real niche, kind of like, I would say, original A5 Kobe beef. Mm. You know, it's, okay. yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, is there anywhere in Spokane you can find Piedmontese beef? Well, you can find, I think you can find grass-fed Piedmontese at Eggers on mm. the South Hill. Um, but I don't think there's any restaurants that carry it. Mm. Um I think the easiest place to find it, which is part of my supply chain, mm. uh, is to go to piedmontese.com. It's oh. like a boxed beef program, and it ships worldwide. Mm. The bulls that I raise, about right now, 12 to 18 months, I send them to Nebraska. They continue getting developed, and the company in Nebraska essentially owns a couple thousand Piedmontese bulls. They send them out across the country to commercial cattlemen. They buy back all of the calves that are produced and they feed the calves, some on grain, some get finished on grass. Um, and that becomes part of their boxed beef program. And I mean, mm. they're in restaurant casino hotels in Monaco. They're wow. all over the U.S. They're in restaurants. They're in butcher shops. Mm. It's really a fantastic program. Yeah. Well, when you, yeah. Ex- when you were explaining the beef <laughs> earlier, I was like, I, I think I need to find some of this. Cause I mean, I, I don't love red meat, but like, but finding like good lean red meat. And when you say like, it's mm-hmm. recommended by the, you know, ADA, yeah. uh, is that what I, they say that right? Uh, AHA, American a- Heart Association. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was like, that sounds delicious anyways, but I just, yeah, I, well, I need to try some of it. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it, it truly is, that's the differentiator with the breed. Mm. It's such a unique circumstance. And what makes the meat possible is a gene that's inactive. Mm. So all mammals produce a protein called myostatin. Mm. Like we, we have it right now in our bloodstream, blood system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what it does is regulate the protein that we ingest that would go towards muscle production. Mm. So in this breed, that mechanism is turned off. Ah. 
and it's nothing man-made. It's completely natural. There have been humans that have had this mm. gene inactive. There's, I think, a dog breed, uh, whippets, that have it inactive. Oh, okay. And so this trait is called double muscling. Mm. But it isn't actually twice as much muscle. They just look huge and ripped. Right. But it's because in addition to having that extra muscle uh, development, you know, the 20% more muscle, mm-hmm. they also don't retain fat. Mm. Um, the other thing that's at work is that makes the meat tender. Because that's, I mean, that's yeah. what you want. Yeah. You, when, you you want... Say, when you say it's double muscle and I'm like, but you said it's so tender. <laughs> like, how does that work? Because when, when you think of yeah. muscle, you think of really being tough. tough or, and, yeah. yeah. So when you eat beef, what makes it tough isn't actually the muscle fibers mm. it, themselves. It's the connective tissue, the fascia that holds the muscle fibers together. Mm. So uh, with Piedmontese, not only are the muscle fibers themselves a smaller diameter, mm. which leads to a more densely packed muscle, the connective tissue is hair-like. It's extremely fine. So that's where when you uh, have a, there's a test called the Warner Bratzler shear force test. And they take a square cube of meat and they record the pressure per square inch mm. Uh, as a blade cuts through the meat. Piedmontese requires the least amount of force, mm. hence the more tender nature. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the summary of the meat. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's just, it's also higher in like good cholesterol, mm-hmm. omega-3, omega-6. I mean, yeah. when you, you can honestly compare it to skinless chicken, turkey, Mm. swordfish, salmon, um, and it will excel in protein, saturated fat. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So what else is going on up at the farm? Do you, do you, are you, before this, you just Mm -hmm. said that you, next year you'll be part of the, uh, Oh, South Spokane Spokane Farm Farm Corridor. Corridor. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Which is something that the the Spokane Conservation District started uh, about three years ago, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so, but so you can have people come out and tour the farm. Oh, I love giving tours. I've mm. been giving tours on the farm since I want to say 2016, because mm. we we did end up uh, moving out of the very old corrals and very old working equipment, and I spent about three years designing a new facility. Mm. I really, I mean, our Instagram handle is. Modern Farmer USA, and mm. I really wanted to embody that in our operation. I, you know, my grandpa was born in '38, and we've definitely butted heads on <laughs> ma- cattle management practices. Um, and so the new facility really changed the operation. Mm. The cattle are able to operate more efficiently. We can take better care of them, have better management of them. But it's also within that seed stock mindset. Mm. You know, cow-calf producers that are out on large range don't have the same management, human management requirements tied to the cattle. Mm. So all of our barns, I think we have 
gosh, it's like 25 or 30,000 square feet of hay storage, mm. uh, cow bedding areas, vet barn. Um, all the barns have cameras in them mm. so we can watch them when they're calving. Uh, on top of that, because they're undercover, we get them out of the wind, we get them out of the rain, mm. it cuts down on their feed requirements. Mm. So instead of eating more just to stay warm, yeah. they're able to eat just to maintain oh, cool. their body and then the calf that's growing over mm-hmm. the winter. Um, what can happen in the winter, like really tough winters can lead to bigger calves. Mm. And in our case, I really don't want a larger calf at birth. I would rather have the calf grow mm-hmm. after birth. Mm. Um, Are you involved in any? I, I, I'm this is I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to ask this question like I, I'm setting you up for something. But you can, <laughs> and if if this isn't the case, are you involved with anything? Anyone locally like to help teach people about what you're doing or 4-H or anything like that? I'm not. Okay. I'm I, not, I can definitely yeah. cut this out, but <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, I'm, I'm kind of involved with, uh, Washington state beef commission a little bit. I've mm. attended a number of their events and we did, uh, or they did a food drive with second harvest mm. food bank up in Hilliard. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've, yeah, not really in terms of educating people. We used to hire kids during the summer and have them kind of work with us and learn about mm. the cattle and yeah. all the aspects, but uh, nothing nothing official. Mm. I have kids' uh, classes, daycare classes, early learning centers bring kids out mm. to see the cattle and nice. the tractors and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you earlier, but like, how is... COVID changed your business? It really hasn't. Mm. Well, I that's mean, good. Then. That's, that's refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, it's been interesting to watch everything unfold. And honestly, the first couple months that COVID was going on, we were calving. Mm, so right. we, we were kind of <laughs> right. busy and distracted and on the farm, quote, quarantined anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the only thing that really changed was we had a lot of people calling us about beef early on because mm. there were worries about shortages oh, right. when processing plants were shutting down. And thankfully, that's kind of abated. Yeah. Um, but we did probably harvest uh, animals earlier than we planned, but uh, people were really nervous. So we yeah. kind of were like, okay, we'll process some and Mm -hmm. get beef in the freezers (laughs) yeah so so do you you do you process some of your very few so i think we had maybe five Mm. this spring Mm. that we had been feeding out uh they're all grass alfalfa Mm. fed and then we have a grain ration Mm. to finish them do you ever want to like have your own herd where you do harvest them like is that something that you would like if you had more land or ever, I'd love to have Piedmontese beef that's comes from like because when I, I interviewed someone uh, on a different podcast uh, about uh, it's called Rocks or Roots and I didn't do the interview but the host of that we talked to 
um, a farmer of Foothills Farms, and uh, he does spices and herbs. And anyways, he's just talking about permaculture and about how, you know, rate, like having, like ha- being able to have beef so close to us and being able to give it to our local community. Like, and when I hear about this, I was like, man, I want some of this. I want some of this locally grown beef and I want to go, I want to drive out to your farm and I just want to buy it. And I don't know if that, I don't know if that, that's fine how it works, but. Well, I mean, so our, I will say our ranch hand right now has, so 14 head, mm. uh, 14 steers and heifers that he's feeding out mm. for December butcher dates. The beef would be ready like the first week of January. So mm. that's half Piedmontese mm. beef. That's still really good beef. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really glad you asked this question because it's, it sparks like yeah. things in my mind. Um, when people find out the health attributes of 100% Piedmontese, mm-hmm. they don't want anything else. Uh. And what's so crucial to growing the breed and growing 100% Piedmontese beef is growing the half Piedmontese beef. Cause mm. The most efficient way to use Piedmontese right now is having the bulls go out and breed the existing commercial herds, which mm. are mostly Angus. Yeah, The calves still have 17% more muscle. Mm. They're more lean. And actually, Piedmontese have the same positive marbling genes that Wagyu have for mm. the Kobe beef. They just don't have the fat deposits yeah, to right. express it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, in terms of the future, I think growing up in a family that has had so many restaurants Mm -hmm. and restaurants of different kinds, I think a part of me always thought someday I might have a restaurant, even though I know that it's (laughs) such an uphill battle. Right. Um, and hearing stories about owning restaurants my whole life. Um, I would love, I think my hope is that at the end of my life, we can all eat Piedmontese beef 100%, uh, just having it readily available. Mm. That's the dream for me. Like, grow the breed. That's why I'm in the seed stock side. Right, yeah. I want to have more Piedmontese cattle in the country. For sure. Um, and I think if, if it all works out, I would love to have a steakhouse mm. on the South Hill. That'd and I already have the name in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then also uh, a burger place. Like cuz that's kind of what my grandparents did for so long was mm. uh A&W Root Beer. Um we've always talked about having a burger place mm. and what that would look like and kind of off of the in and out model, very simple. Yeah but being able to have our own beef. And Mm. that idea kind of developed on our last trip to Italy where there was a huge economic downturn in Italy. And I want to say it was like the early 2000s. It might have been around post 9-11. I don't know for Mm -hmm. sure. But there was just no market for the beef. Mm. And this one family opened up. Instead of downsizing, they opened up a fast food restaurant called Mac Bun. Well, they got into a little bit of a lawsuit with 
McDonald's. <laughs> right. So now they are M asterisk asterisk bun. But it's in Turin. It's wildly popular. They've grown to like three or four locations now. Mm. But everything in the restaurant in the beginning was grown on their farm. Wow. The lettuce, the grain for the buns, the beef, the tomatoes. And now they have their own cola. They source uh, produce and everything from their neighbors. Wow. But I thought that's a really cool that's model. That's really cool, yeah. And at, on the cash register, they've got the farm's phone number. Mm. So anyone can walk up, see the phone number, call, and go take a tour of the farm. That's so cool. And that's why I started doing tours when I came home. I was like, I really just want to have people come see the place, see the animals. I had a couple call me and fly out from Hawaii for a tour. Wow. And, I mean, we're still talking to them about the logistics of getting Piedmontese cattle to the big island. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's really cool. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you definitely need to make that... That that restaurant or that well the steakhouse and the and the the restaurant that's really that that's a <laughs> killer idea. Um, well, I'll leave you with this. This is the last question. I what is something about Spokane that you would like to see changed? Is it okay if I think for a second? That's no, fine. I'll, I I I have the I have the <laughs> editing ability. <laughs> that's so tough because there's one thing that I my wife and I have always talked about that we wished was here was a district kind of like the Pearl district in Portland. Mm. And I mean, downtown has different areas, districts. Mm -hmm. Um, But we always thought that would be a really cool component Mm. to the city to have sort of adjacent to downtown kind of like we always pictured it uh, where the, the new bridge goes across the footbridge goes across the railroad tracks over in the U district. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. I know you're talking about the, the road. Yes. Over by Gonzaga and it goes over into kind like, so it goes over the river and it's and, into that new Avista, mm, uh, building development. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I'm not sure what the area is called, but it might be part of the U district, might but be, it's yeah. also on the edge of the, the East Sprague mm-hmm. district. Yeah. 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 No, there's definitely, I, there's definitely some areas that are, that are going that way. And with, you know, with the North South freeway, <laughs> if it ever comes, I know that there's going to be a lot of slowdown for like North division or yeah. for division and North division. I don't think that's necessarily a district, but you know, I think, as we as our community grows and there's more people coming here and there's going to be you know there's going to be more people trying to get central and so there's going to be you know kind of more money being put in those places and so i see places like south monroe really uh, or not south uh, north monroe becoming more like that being more you know have more foot traffic Mm -hmm. have more you know they slow down that street a uh, lot two years ago mm-hmm. and there's you know there's businesses that are, have started going in there that are um th- that are really awesome and i mean and garland is doing that and i know on mm-hmm. um, hamilton over by over by the u district they're gonna slow that down and so like there's definitely the ability to like be more diverse and more just 
Well, in a, in a community In a community feel. vibe, yeah. Yeah, rather than... And I than... think that's something that on North Monroe that they're really trying to create. Uh, there's there's a there's a couple businesses. I mean, Meet on Monroe is like a, they are an organization that are really trying to get people to the to the area and really, you know, educate people like, hey, there's all these different antique shops mm-hmm. and there's, you know, there's other types of shops. There's these restaurants and they're really trying to get the community involved. They just did a, installed five new murals on on the sides of buildings and and so like there's definitely there's definitely an arts like involvement and a business involvement and people are really trying to work together to bring arts to the community on a more approachable level and i definitely think that well we don't have the pearl district but we Mm -hmm. i definitely think that we have we're starting to get those types of districts that are more more like that and i i but I agree. I think education and having yeah. people just know that that exists. So yeah. and and maybe convincing people to have some more businesses or it would be it would be great to have a walkable area like that on the South Hill because mm. yeah I think everybody knows yeah you know North Side won't drive all the way to the right. South Hill that's for sure yeah Valley South you know everybody mm-hmm. has their limits yeah. and uh, it's like the South Hill is willing to drive everywhere out yeah. of necessity. <laughs> right. South Hill has Perry. Perry's like kind of in there, but like yeah, it's that's it, true. And they've and that's diversified a lot over the last seven years with oh, yeah. you know the Perry Street Perry Street Pizza, yes. Perry Street Brewery, Brewing. Uh, there's a bunch of there's a handful of restaurants there yeah. and then there's a couple other cool little shops. So mm-hmm. yeah. I I one of the things I think we're limited to though is there's not many, of the, not many of those districts are very like have a long. You like you go to Portland and you'll walk down one of those streets and it's like <laughs> literally a mile long. Yes. Like, and I think someday there'll be the ability if once the North South Freeway's finished that there'll be a, they'll make, uh, division more walkable and mm-hmm. th- that would be, that'd be a, definitely a, a place that could see some growth. So oh, that'd be wonderful. So, well, awesome, Justin. I won't <laughs> keep you any longer. Uh, but this was. This is a great so, conversation. I loved it. I will tease one, like, or maybe two little things. Okay, yeah. I will say that uh, some of the folks that have taken tours of the farm mm-hmm. have owned local restaurants. Mm. Some in the valley, some downtown. Mm. Very intrigued by the beef. They've all, I send them home with beef and they've tried it, they've liked it. Nice. So that's been really encouraging. Even if it doesn't, if I'm not the supplier, like it, ex- it really gets me excited that. Like this, teaching them about the beef. Exactly. And then like being like, this is why you need to use Piedmont beef, yep. Piedmontese beef in your, in your restaurant. Yeah. I love yep. it. And that's- it's like, I, I'm constantly relearning things because I'll read Italian research and stuff, mm. but I was rereading the history of the breed. And back in the 1950s, before people really understood the breed Mm. and knew about the Piedmontese beef, the butchers were able to pass off the beef as veal when it wasn't. I mean, this would be a a steer that was 18 months old, Mm. finished on grain, but it it looked, tasted, cooked like Like, veal. mm. So I was kind of sharing that with, uh, some of the chefs that yeah. have visited the farm. And I was like, this is something to consider when you're using it that mm. no one would naturally think of, like, oh, I need to consider this, right. this veal. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is we might be opening up 
a farm stand mm. out on the Palouse Highway on our farm that, yeah, yeah, yeah more details. Well, well I was going to say, future. like, if you're going to become part <laughs> of the, the, the South. Exactly. The, the corridor, like, you're, you'll probably need to sell something. You're going to yep. have people come yep. to your farm. <laughs> um, my, my ranch hand is doing way more than, uh, you know, he's doing enough for both of us because he's doing beef. He, we got him started with a herd. Mm. Um, and then he's doing eggs, feeder chickens. He's looking at getting into hogs, mm. lamb. I mean, there's going to be a lot. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. That, 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 that sounds awesome. Uh, well, awesome. Just is there anything else you would like to plug before you leave? Like Instagram, Instagram <laughs> website. Oh yeah, at uh, Modern Farmer USA. Uh, our website is owensfarms.com, and awesome. my number's on there. You can book an appointment to tour the farm, and nice. it's a lot of it's a good time right now because we've got calves that were born in the spring, calves that were born in September. Mm. We've got the bulls that are going to be heading to Nebraska next month. So oh. they're, they're all here and nice. looking good. Wow. I need to bring my twins out there. They would get, <laughs> Please a, do. They'd get a kick out of it. I, I, they, cause they love seeing animals up close and I love seeing animals up close. They're so cool. Yeah. Uh, so awesome, Justin. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you and I'm I, this was an unexpected conversation that I was not expecting to have, and I uh, and I loved it. So thank you so much. No, thank you. So much fun. No, no. All right. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to Speak Spokane. You can find us on Instagram at Speak Spokane and on our website at speakpodcasting.com. Speak Spokane's theme song, Speak and Be Heard, was composed and produced by Spokane native Christian Woods. <laughs>